On today's episode of Relationships Matter, I just have a simple question that we are going to unpack. What do your words say about your relationship? So I'm going to jump right into it because I want to have this conversation about the words that we say in contrast to the actions that we carry out. When we talk about how we appreciate or how we see people and then our actions say something completely different. So just recently in the news, there was an article about one of the large um, or healthcare organizations on the West Coast, how they were only going to give um, their employees a 1% raise and they had done a survey and the survey results came out that 42% of their nurses were planning on um, resigning from the organization. That is prolific for the fact that you have to look at it from two different aspects. Because we all know that there's more than just the one side of the story. As a healthcare leader... I understand that there is, you know, a fiscal responsibility that we have to have in order to remain financially viable in our industry, right? Healthcare costs a lot of money, so do insurances, um, personal, and for, you know, to cover, you know, the organization, as well as, you know, the benefits that we administer and, you know, our actual employees earn and use, well, when you look at it from a employee perspective, right? Someone who's making, you know, say $40 an hour and they're getting a 1% raise, it's subtly feels like a slap in the face because as a frontline employee, I have dedicated my, you know, career, I'm not going to say the entire career, but I'm saying over the last year and a half, two years, five years to an organization. And in return, you're telling me that with all of my hard work, all I am worth to you is a 1% raise, right? When you think about a 1% raise over an entire organization that ends up being millions of dollars. Um, so that's why I say that there's two sides to every story. But this is really the focus of our conversation. Does your words match your actions? So if you're telling your employees that they are valuable, they mean much, so much to you, that, you know, we appreciate everything that you've done throughout this pandemic, because it's been rough, right? I was at a um, actual orientation yesterday where there were between 60 to 90 new hires coming on board. And I would say 90% of them were travel nurses. And that was just one orientation class in the beginning of the fourth quarter. So you have to think about the enormous amount of revenue that organizations have actually had to 
put out over this last year and a half because of this pandemic. Um, it's hit everyone's pockets in a different way. A lot of nurses, you know, taking on these travel contracts because, you know, they pay $125 an hour. Plus, you know, this is tax free and, you know, you get a stipend for, you know, meals and incidentals and things like that. So it's lucrative right now for a nurse to be able to actually pick up and go and work for, you know, another organization in another state. And, you know, but when you think about that financial impact on the organization, it is going to be astronomical. And a lot of, you know, nurses question if my organization has the ability to afford travel nurses at this rate, why can't they increase my salary? And it's a very valuable question. And it leads us to say as an organization, how are we communicating beyond a 1% raise our appreciation for our dedicated employees? We have to look at what our words are actually saying to the people that mean so much to us. Because as I've said before, nursing is a service line, right? They don't produce a revenue, but they ensure that our revenue continues to flow. And we have to invest in them because they are our livelihood. At the end of the day, we cannot do what we do as organizational leaders without our service line. That's why they're so valuable to us. That's why they're so important to us. That's why we need to attract, invest, and retain the most top talented individuals because they will make or break your organization. I know that um, that is, you know, the ideal goal for most organizations is to have high quality, high qualified individuals, you know, working at the bedside or working, you know, in their specialty areas. It's just um, something that, you know, people strive to do. But with everything that's going on and all of the battles and the pools that's during, all this, during this pandemic, it's made it quite challenging for a number of organizations. Um, when I talk to healthcare or travel nurses, they say that they'll never take a bedside job again. But my question is why? As a staff nurse, um, there are a number of benefits that you receive, right? You receive, you know, your insurance, that your company invests in your 401k, and then you have the benefits of home. And a number of nurses that travel, you know, they travel as a couple, and they don't have children or pets or even, you know, a spouse. So they're able to get up and go freely. But what happens when you do want to settle down and you're not able to go freely? Then the circumstances change and you have to change your mindset in regards to actually taking a permanent position or becoming a dedicated employee at an organization. Either, either option isn't bad. It just has to align with your mission, vision, and the values of your career, right? Because we should all have mission, vision, and values. 
um, when it comes time to our professional development, our professional growth, and our personal growth. So leaders, I just asked this question. When you are inviting new staff into your organization, what is the appeal for them? How do you fulfill what they have initially seen? And I'm going to break it down in the terms of a marriage. So when you're dating someone, you know, there's all these little cute little things that, you know, pull you in, whether it was, you know, their personality or their appearance and, you know, they catch your eye. That's initially, you know, the attraction. You go on a few dates and, um, oh, there's so many little cute quirks that you like and, you know, this, he does this and she does that and, it continues on, right? You This attraction just builds and builds and builds. Then once you decide that you're going to move past the attraction into this sustainable relationship where you're committed to one another, right? Things start to look a little different. And you're saying, okay, so the things that were cute maybe not so cute now maybe they start to bother you just a little bit right I don't that's moving into phase two of the now that I have you how do we continue to keep you right because there should be an investment in the person that you are courting correct so if we're looking for that, you know, investment, how do I, you know, pull you in, retain you and build on our relationship? What things, you know, do you offer as do you offer transparency? Do you offer organizational health? Do you check the climate of your culture, right? One of the biggest deterrence for a lot of staff is the climate of the culture. When you walk into an organization and there is so many chiefs and not enough Indians, right? Or I shouldn't say that because that's not politically correct. So many chiefs and not enough helping individuals, right? There's not enough individuals that want to carry out the mission we don't have enough individuals that are dedicated to the goals to the plan to the values and they see eye to eye and they want to work alongside of the chief and help fulfill the strategic goals that is one of the greatest challenges in a lot of organizations and then you have of course the clicks clicks can make or break because once you know you are not in the cool kids click it can be detrimental to your you know personal development a lot of people want to go to work and feel liked or have that family initiative but if you're not invited in what do you do only a few people are loners. We spend so much time at work. Um, work becomes our second home, and we know that. And so the actual vibe and the energy and the culture 
really does matter at the end of the day. It's so pertinent to our development and who we are as individuals. So when it comes time to retaining, and we'll go back to, you know, my original analogy when we're talking about actually, um, this is the marriage part, right? Where you have this long-term commitment where you've decided to say, hey, regardless of the good and the bad, you know, I want to move forward and build on this relationship. I often wonder if couples say everything that they mean to say and if everything that they mean to say is intended, right? Um, I've watched a number of, you know, relationships and the common denominator is communication. Being able to communicate the things that need to be said and aligning your actions with your words. Just recently, um, there was an incident where I watched a man and a woman and there was another individual that said something to the woman. Well, the man didn't respond to the other man. He responded to the woman that he was with. And instead of, you know, addressing the issues that were happening, he only spoke to the woman, right? And made it seem as if the things that she was doing and saying was incorrect, and being somebody on the outside looking in, there was like this whole communication issue, right? So you have three individuals. If I am a woman and I approach another woman, me and that woman are going to have a conversation, right? If her significant other interjects, then, you know, it would be expected that another, you know, individual would interject right I guess the biggest qualm in the situation was instead of the man addressing the negativity that was coming out of the other man's mouth um he let it go and just kind of you know push the woman aside as if she was out of pocket and that's where we get into a little bit of the disrespect and the gender bias where you know we're saying one thing because obviously you said to this woman you know that you love her right that you respect her and that you honor her but then when it comes time to a situation where you know she's being wronged you don't take the time to correct that issue and you allow the actual behavior or the actions of another individual to influence that. And that's where the question comes from. What do your words say about your relationship? Because if you're that individual, the woman, you're feeling like, wait, I'm being wronged on two forms, right? You're in one area. This gentleman is, you know, speaking to me in an incorrect tone. And then you are shushing me or telling me to be quiet when he's, when an individual is disrespecting me. So she's getting it from two aspects instead of actually being able to communicate what she wants to say. So his actions 
and I'm talking about the significant other, his actions aren't quite translating well because it says disrespect and we don't know what the intended outcome was. We don't know what he was trying to say, but whatever he was trying to say it was not being said in a, in a correct manner. Neither did his actions align with what he was saying. So that's where, you know, we get mixed up sometimes and we question, you know, what are your words really saying? Like, do you really value your employees? Because if you really value them, how are you letting them know that we do honor and respect you, that this 1% raise was not meant to be disrespectful. This is, you know, part of our strategy to actually balance and retain you, right? Because we got to balance the books, but we got to retain our staff. We have to show them appreciation, but we also have to increase their salary. It's always a twofold, right? Because there's always two sides of the story. And we want to make sure that our communication is actually clear in what we are trying to say. Because at the end of the day, our words matter. Our actions matter. You can't say you love someone and then tell them to shut up or shush them, right? There, It's a twofold. What you have to say is, hey, this is a situation I want to actually deal with it. And let's have, you know, some time where we can take turns and communicate what we're going through. That's a better way of expressing, you know, one's livelihood. Because at the end of the day, this relationship between you and her is more valuable than him and him, right? It's more valuable because he is the partner. He is not your partner. She is your partner. And everything that you said to her is going to be devastating if you don't communicate that in an efficient manner. Same as us as leaders. If we don't communicate what we're really trying to say and show this, the appreciation that our staff needs, if we don't help them maintain their livelihood because we know that wages are connected to livelihood. Wages are connected to cost of living, right? Wages are connected to how we sustain and grow as individuals. So we got to think about it from a bigger perspective. What are our words saying to these individuals? That is it for today. I just want you to take the time and think about that because we have such a long road ahead of us, you know, when it comes time to recovering, rebuilding and, you know, sustaining everything that we've gone through as an industry. It's ever changing, ever, ever growing. And, you know, each and every day we learn something new. And we want to be there at the end of the day, standing strong with our staff saying, we did this together. So make sure that your words and your actions align and let them know that they are important to you. 
I'm Donita J. Clark. You can find me on all social media platforms. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode and make sure that your words matter.